topics around business and brand development, while sprinkling some hard-earned life lessons in there too. So if you love a good brand and a good breakdown, buckle up and come along with me as I sort of seamlessly switch between major life roles in an attempt to fulfill all the life dreams of a type A Enneagram 3 millennial small business owner who wants to help other entrepreneurs and raise good humans. This is The Allie Ray Haney Show. Welcome to another episode of The Allie Ray Haney Show. I am excited to be here. Today is going to be a little bit different of a type of episode than we've had in the past. It is going to be a client case study. So a previous client of mine that has been through the brand development program which is the brand analysis that results in a marketing plan that they can execute individualized based off of their business and its goals and what they have already established. So the client that we are going to talk about today, her name is Seika Dong. She is a harpist in the Southern California region. She not only offers lessons to harp players, but she also offers services for weddings, baby showers, etc. So event harpist. First, I'm going to kind of walk you through my process of what I do um, for all of my brand development clients. And then from there, I will dive into her specific case study. So What I do is when someone signs on with me as a brand development client, the first thing I do is I send them a questionnaire that asks pretty much everything I need to know about their business and their brand in order to give them specific pointers to improve upon that business and brand. So start out with the basics. These are really easy questions. What's the name of your business? What's your website URL? What social media platforms are you on? What ones would you like to be on that you're not there yet? What do you sell? Um, Please describe it to me as best as you can. Are you service-based, product-based? What's the price range for the products or services that you sell? And then we get a little bit deeper. Um, Typically, the clients that I work with have been in business anywhere from two to three years. So a lot of times they have the basics of their brand nailed down already, But usually around that two to three year mark, especially as like a solopreneur, people start to evolve within their business and essentially start to outgrow the DIY brand that they perhaps started with. And this is not, of course, uh, a blanket statement to all entrepreneurs, Um, but what I have seen in my own experience and what I went through as an entrepreneur in those early stages too. A lot of people DIY a lot of their business at the beginning. They check off their logo, their brand colors. They check off their website. They check off that they started an LLC, all of these different things. But then when, once you start, you know, getting the marketing ball rolling, you have clients or customers coming in and you realize, okay, this is working, but I want to tweak it for any number of reasons. Perhaps I don't quite like the service offering like I thought I would. Perhaps I would like to address a different ideal client. Perhaps my lifestyle has changed, so my business and brand also must change along with that. Any of those reasons, that's usually when people start looking for answers, and that's where I come in. With that being said, I then have them describe their current ideal client in as much detail as possible. And I also have them describe their brand in three words. What, what would those three words be? I ask if they 
view their brand as a personal brand versus like a corporate or business brand. I ask their values, their mission statement, their brand colors, all of those things. Some of those questions have easy answers. Some of them, on the other hand, are not quite so easy. Um, Then I go into stuff that is a little bit more subjective. I ask them what their biggest strength is and I ask them what their biggest weakness is. Sometimes as business owners, we're so close to our business, to our product, to our service that we don't have an accurate view of it. And that's not to say that you are out of touch with your business, not at all, but sometimes our business is our baby. And because we are so close to it, it's hard to take a step back and look at it from like a third party objective point of view. And so I'm always interested in hearing what my clients think their strengths and their weaknesses are so that I can then conduct the analysis and audit and see if I agree with them or if perhaps they have blind spots or perhaps they have strengths that they don't realize are strengths. And finally, I then ask them their top three goals that they would like to focus on within the next six months to a year. And I ask them these goals for a few reasons. Ultimately, I want to be able to use those goals to steer the brand in the direction that's going to get them there the quickest to achieve those goals. But I also just want to know whether they are, you know, are you satisfied with where you are right now? Are you looking to grow one specific marketing tactic? Are you looking to totally do an overhaul and rebrand? Like I need to know these things so that I have those in mind as I am conducting my audit. Once I have this questionnaire filled out, then we dive deep into uh, my research phase. And this is basically where I put on my sleuth hat and I grab my magnifying glass and I look over every inch of you online, every inch of your business and your brand to see what I can discover and what I would see as if I were a potential client. So I'm looking at your website, your social media, your, for this client in particular, because she's in the wedding world, her wedding wire or not accounts, any blogs that you've been a guest on or literally anything I can find, I dig it up and I see what I can figure out about you. And then I compare essentially what I found to what you have described on your questionnaire And I come up with the discrepancies, the inconsistencies. So if you are saying that you want to target a luxury client, but none of your copy on your website screams luxury, if none of the images on your website seem consistent, like I'm going to point out those differences so that you can then target and tailor your whatever you're putting out of your business, out from your business to target those ideal clients. From there, now that I have done my deep dive research, I present my findings and what I call a marketing plan. And that marketing plan is essentially presenting to you all of the inconsistencies that I found, presenting to you what I think your UVP is or your unique value proposition is, based off of what I can find of you online and what we've discussed thus far in the process. So let's dive into this specific client. 
Seika Dong. Like I mentioned before, she is a harpist in the Southern California area. She offers harp lessons and also is and also is a musician who plays at luxury events. Building a brand boils down to being liked, known, and ultimately trusted by your clients and customers. But let's first focus on being known. Have you heard the statistic about how a potential customer needs to encounter a brand seven or more times before purchasing from them? Now, let me ask you this. What if a potential customer has encountered your brand seven times, but doesn't realize it's the same brand? That means you've been putting in a whole lot of work into marketing your business, but the brand isn't consistent enough to land the sale because they don't know it's you. Consistency while building a brand is so important to top line sales. In fact, it could increase them by 33%. Yes, you could be missing out on a third of your sales because people don't know your business is your business. Fix all of this confusion by creating a consistent and cohesive brand across all client touch points using the brand strategy framework mini course. This is where we'll walk through all the foundations of a solid brand, then audit your existing brand to finally implement the changes that need to be made in order to get you the brand you want and deserve. This DIY style course is perfect for the entrepreneur who's working on a budget, but knows that something within their business doesn't quite hit right. Head to the brand strategy framework course link in the show notes to take the next step in your brand's journey. It's always funny to me when I do my brand analysis call with clients because it always seems like I'm so ADD um, when I go through the research process because I kind of bounce around to social media and then if I see something sort of inconsistent on social media, I want to see if it's also inconsistent on the website. So the presentation part of the brand analysis call is very much stream of consciousness. So I'm going to try and organize it a little bit more than I would on an actual brand analysis call here. However, bear with me as I kind of bop around to different topics. One of the first places that I always start is websites because as a consumer, that's typically, you know, if I'm looking to see if a business is legitimate, I look to see if they have a website. So that's always a good place to start for doing the brand analysis. And one of the first things that I saw when I went to Seika's website was that her banner was out of date up at the top. It's when she said she was booking for a specific time frame of clients. So I... I will go into specifics like small targeted things that you can change to update your website as well as inconsistencies that might affect the brand overall to be as comprehensive as possible. So I did point out that, but also it seemed like when I clicked on services, it was kind of scattered. There were specific um, events that she could book as well as weddings, as well as uh, like private parties versus showers. And I was like, okay, let's, let's boil it down. If you had to tell me the percentage of your income that came from weddings versus any other event, what would it be? So she told me, and it was a vast majority of weddings. Well, if that's the case, that's your bread and butter, then let's focus on what that looks like as a service offering and make that very clear on the website. Now, secondarily, she also offers lessons to other harpists. So she was struggling, like, do I 
only speak to brides or do I have harp lessons on my website as well? And that's a really good question because so often, especially in the wedding world, which is the world that I came from too, we're told that we have to speak to one individual ideal client, one client, one client, one client. But in reality, most businesses, especially small businesses, have multiple streams of income. It's not just like I offer this one service and I, I don't speak to anyone else. So in order to navigate that, while I do think that she should have a focus on weddings on her website, that's not to say that she can't mention heart lessons on there as well. So I recommended that she put under services a drop-down menu for heart lessons so that if a student encounters her website, they also know that she offers those lessons. From there, I looked at her about page and her about page was not, you know, by no means bad, but it was very focused on facts and her background as a musician and all of the awards that she won as a musician. Again, that's not bad. That shows that she's credible and I don't think that she should take it all off. However, she's gearing towards brides who are getting married and that in general is an emotional time. So I want to I want to see more emotion driven copy that's going to paint a picture of what it's like to have her there on your on her wedding day. Am I what are you adding to my wedding day that I cannot get anywhere else? A wedding is one of the most emotionally driven days of your life. And so a lot of times in the wedding world, decisions are not made based off of facts and figures. Although there are, there's the occasional bride that's like very black and white. But typically what I see in the wedding world is that if somebody wants something, they'll find a way to get it despite the price. So if someone wants and has always envisioned a heart player, and then I come to your website and all I get is facts and figures, I'm not going to get this warm and fuzzy feeling like I know who you are. And on Seika's questionnaire, she put that she considers herself a very personal brand on her social media. She talks about her life, her cats, her condo, like all of these things about herself. In addition to she's the one that's showing up physically there at the event that day of the wedding. So of course she would like to be a personal brand, but I wanted to see that more thoroughly in the copy of her website on her about page. I wanted to feel like I left the page getting to know her, not getting to know her resume. As I mentioned before, on her services page, she had all the services kind of scattered. And so instead of having it scattered, I suggested cutting it down to specifically weddings and then having like an event FAQ page that answers more about other smaller less formal events like baby showers, birthday parties, anniversary celebrations, those types of things. I also wanted to see uh, a process that the client would walk through, um, the experience that they would have as a client with her. How do I choose my processional song? How do I choose my cocktail hours songs? What does this look like in terms of do I get a keepsake after my wedding day of all of the music that I had at my wedding? All of that, I wanted to be painted a very thorough, beautiful photo, or excuse me, a very thorough, beautiful picture of on the wedding page. 
Finally, I wanted to see a starting investment so that she could weed out specific people before she even had to speak with them to save her time and they can pretty much self-select as to whether or not they can afford her services. On that page, it would be really beneficial to also have testimonials so that she could have some social proof as to how magical she can make the events that she is at. On her contact form page, she had sort of a faulty contact form where I had to, it was like a very skinny window and I had to scroll to read each of the individual questions and she had quite a few questions on that intake form. So I suggested that she update that with fewer intake questions, removing the questions that could be verified later on in the process and also remove that scroll so that people could see the entire contact form and know what they were getting into when they started the inquiry process. One thing that I encourage all of my clients to do is at the end of every page, make sure there is a call to action. So what that means is give people the opportunity to say yes as many times as possible. A call to action is a simple way for someone to take the next step toward inquiring with you. So that that call to action could be a click to the services page or a click to the contact page or a click to, if you're interested in this, this blog might be helpful. You're nurturing them, you're getting them to say a few tiny yeses along the way prior to saying a big yes, which is working with you and securing you as a wedding vendor for their their wedding day. Okay, that wraps up for the most part the website portion of the findings, although website will kind of come into play later as well. Next, I want to touch on the ideal client description. So thinking in terms of who might be a good fit for Seika, I, after hearing her tell me about her services or knowing the nature of her services, it does sound like a luxury service. So with that being said, I then come up with a, an ideal client description for each one of my clients and present it to them. And I use that ideal client description to kind of guide the rest of my research. So Seika Seika Harp is the name of her business. Seika Harp's uh, ideal client description is brides with a disposable income to devote to their dream wedding. A custom unique experience is of the utmost importance to this bride. She has a wedding planner through whom most communication takes place and she values simplicity and systems so she can enjoy extravagance in other places in her life, like walking down the aisle to her favorite song being played on harp. I then try to define brand adjectives that can be used to describe the brand anytime that a potential client or customer interacts with it. So for Seika's brand, my two adjectives were ethereal and luxurious. Now, ethereal might sound odd when you're talking about a harp, but if you think not only about the sound of the harp, but then the UVP that makes Seika so different than everyone else, like not just in Southern California, but anywhere else that I know of. It's really interesting. Seika's UVP or unique value proposition, essentially what makes her different than the next harpist, regardless of whether it's in the same town or anywhere in the world, she actually dresses to match the event. So for example, if your wedding colors are burgundy, blush, and navy, she then chooses one of those colors and either has a gown or purchases a gown to match those colors. So she is almost like a piece of decor 
amidst your event. Now, thinking about how incredibly unique that is, you have to know that the bride that's going to be booking a harpist that looks like a piece of decor at her wedding is going to be luxurious. That is a luxury to have. A wedding is a luxury to have, period. But to have a person dressed as decor at your wedding is ultra luxurious. So the other piece to that ethereal adjective is that the gowns that she purchases or that she has essentially a closet of, they're called selkie gowns, S-E-L-K-I-E. I'm happy to link those in the show notes, Um, but they are over-the-top ornate gowns where it literally looks like she maybe stepped out of a fairy tale in order to be at this wedding to play the harp as this bride walks down the aisle. So as I was going through and doing the remainder of her analysis and audit, I was making sure that every time I encountered her brand, it felt ethereal and luxurious. And anywhere it didn't feel ethereal and luxurious, I made a note of it. Continuing on, I do my best to do a marketing analysis for all of my clients. And um, a boiled down version of a marketing analysis is a a SWOT analysis. And what SWOT stands for is it's spelled S-W-O-T, not S-W-A-T. So S-W-O-T stands for strengths weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. So strengths and weaknesses are both internal and opportunities and threats are both external. So strengths and weaknesses, I first focus on the questionnaire that I sent earlier in the process to see what that person, that business owner thinks are their strengths and their weaknesses. Now, let me pull up Seika's strengths and weaknesses that she self-proclaimed. She says her biggest strength is content creation. She's great at creating the content that looks aesthetically pleasing. She also has a good sense of process, customer service, and she is organized. But she says her biggest weakness is the admin work or the back-end stuff. She's tried automating her service offerings by implementing workflows, but if anything, it's discouraged her because spending time on her business is more challenging on the back end than she thought it was going to be. As I was doing the analysis, I noticed that her strength was certainly her professionalism and musical experience because I saw that on her about page with all of the different awards that she had won. But even after her 25 years of experience, she adds another layer on top of that by making any day feel ethereal ethereal through making herself almost a fixture or a piece of decor by adorning dresses that match the decor of the day. When I say strength, that is something that no one else offers. So that is her UVP like we've already touched on. Now, her weaknesses on the other hand, I would agree, although I did not go directly through her client workflow, I would say that a luxury client, which is the type of client that she is targeting, They want ease of systems. They want to know what's coming next and they want it to be low maintenance, the whole process. So since the administrative tasks take away from Seika's ability to practice and further elevate the client experience, she's left with a clunky back end of business because it's something she doesn't enjoy. It's difficult to focus on the customer experience that she wants to deliver though. And she's admittedly not very good at time management. So this optimizing of her systems and her workflows not only will help her on 
her back end so that she can get back to doing what she loves. It's also going to help her attract the ideal client that she wants, especially if she has a high-end luxury wedding client that enjoys the experience that she has with Seika and then passes on by word of mouth to her friends, possibly bridesmaids or siblings, that she enjoyed the client experience. That's going to then pay back in dividends because the system, the systems and the client experience were on point from the start. Okay, so that's internally what she can do in terms of her strengths and her weaknesses. Next, we want to talk about opportunities and threats. And these are basically external factors that have effects on her business. So the opportunities are the things that she can capitalize or take advantage of within her business. She has the opportunity to differentiate herself in the market by making her unique value proposition very clear on her website, on her social media, which is her ability to become a work of art herself, because that's not something that anyone else is doing at this point. So she's taking those external factors and then making, taking advantage of them to make herself unique. Now, the external threat that she might face is that her perceived value of her skills or services may not match the real value of her skills and services. So essentially what that means is how does she communicate that not only does her number of years of skill and practice equate to the number, but also that thing that she's bringing that no one else brings, which is her becoming a piece of the decor at the wedding. We want that value the true value to match the perceived value. And at that point when I spoke with her, which was at this point about six months ago now, there was a big gap in that perceived value versus the real value. I would argue that that's because of her lack of online presence or the consistency that she has across all of her online platforms, both social and website, as well as the in-person display of her business through those lack of systems that she was having with her client experience, which leads me to my next point. (laughs) I asked Seika on our brand analysis call to basically break down the client experience for me that I wanted to know basically what a client saw from the point of inquiry to the follow-up after the wedding, if there was any, because when we are appealing to the luxury client, I really wanted to focus on that experience piece of it. We wanted them to feel pampered. We wanted them to feel unique. Like their process, although somewhat automated, was not something that everyone received. So we wanted to elevate that client journey through the seamless communication and the exclusive experiences with the help of word of mouth marketing, especially because the the warmest lead, of course, like I mentioned before, is a referral from a previous client. So what can we do to make that client experience one of a kind? Um, The pre-booking phase was pretty, I don't want to say boring, but pretty standard because remember we're dealing with a luxury client that wants something very simple and easy to say yes to. So there was a phone consultation, but after that they, she would send the proposal of service, like the cost of services. Once they accepted it, they would be sent a contract and an invoice. Then during the planning portion of it, after they booked her, they would receive a client gift and then a questionnaire that the client could fill out or the client's planner could fill out 
about the songs that they chose for specific parts of the day, processional, recessional, cocktail hour, etc., depending on how long they had her. The logistics of the day, for specifically for Seika, she needed to know how she was going to get her harp in and out of specific venues. And finally, her UVP, we needed to know their wedding color so that she could match their wedding decor. If they felt like they needed it, or if the planner felt like she needed it, they would also be able to help or excuse me, hop on a pre-wedding planning call so that they could work out those logistics if there were any more specific in-depth questions that Seika needed the answers to prior to the actual wedding day. Of course, once the wedding day came, there was the setup, the actual playing, her, you know, at the ceremony and the cocktail hour and then breakdown. After the post-wedding though, this is when I wanted to follow up with those luxury clients so that we could really make their experience last even beyond their actual wedding day and keep us, and by us I mean Seika, at top of mind as they were going and transitioning into their normal everyday life again as a married couple. So I wanted to give her the opportunity to upsell products after the wedding interaction Perhaps it could be a USB with the songs that they had for their ceremony and their cocktail hour. I would also have loved to see her make it part of her workflow to send an email asking for a testimonial with links to her Google business page. Finally, in order to continue to keep Seika top of mind years and years after the actual event, in case they do have a word of mouth referral that could be beneficial to Seika, I encouraged her to do some anniversary follow-ups. So every year on their anniversary, maybe a month before their anniversary, send them a special compilation that you've already pre-recorded. So it's not any additional time that Seika has to invest in this specific client experience. However, it makes them feel like they're receiving a one-of-a-kind experience because every year they have a harp song that they can then dance to on their anniversary. Next, we're going to talk about pricing strategy. And I know this, you're probably like, Allie, what in the world? How is pricing strategy part of a brand? Well, your brand is basically the blood that runs through every major organ of your business. And it all has to be cohesive in order to make sense. And pricing strategy 100% is one of those major organs, right? It's how the business sustains itself is how you bring in money. So... When we're targeting a specific type of client, they're more receptive to pricing in a specific way. Now, will I say that I am an expert on sales specifically? No. However, I have been in business for almost seven years now, and I've navigated multiple markets. So from my personal experience, I know that specific types of clients receive specific types of pricing better than others. What I decided um, would be the best for Seika was an hourly rate for ceremony for cocktail and possibly for a reception serenade. Those hourly rates reflect specific song selections from a catalog of songs that she's already learned for each portion of the day. So, for example, ceremony, a a very common song that brides walk down the aisle to is Canon in D. Seika has a portfolio essentially that brides can choose from for from specific parts of the day however if they were to want a custom song selection where then Seika has to learn a new composition of of music 
that would be a flat rate per song. Additionally, if they wanted to add on another instrument, that specific price per instrument would vary based off of that instrument. At that point, that's when Seiko would have to then hire out or subcontract someone to come on. And from there, the pricing gets more customized. Another possible upsell that she could do um, that I mentioned earlier was a keepsake of the processional music or the recessional music or the cocktail hour music. And that would be a flat rate. Again, it wouldn't be any additional time investment for Seika, but it would be an additional income for Seika, especially if those were songs that she had pre-recorded already, which I encouraged her to do for all of the most common songs like that Canon and D processional music. Go ahead and sit down and have a day of recording those where you can then drag and drop that audio file to a USB. That is less than five minutes of work for you, but you could upwards charge, you know, a higher, higher rate for that keepsake, but it's not creating any more additional work for you. Now, as she breaks into or continues to break into that luxury market, I encourage her to increase her prices by a set amount for every three to five booked clients. When I was meeting with Seika, she was booking on a fairly regular basis, but it sort of felt like feast or famine sometimes. And it it often does in any small business, but especially in the wedding industry when you have wedding seasons. So as she continued to book those clients, I encouraged her to continue to very gradually raise her prices to work her way up into that luxury market without making a huge leap and having to continue to have those bigger gaps in between incomes. And finally, the other thing that she was struggling with was the fact that the nature of weddings, it feels very one and done. So she was having a client come and you hopefully only get married once. And then after that, the number of significant events sort of drops off in life. Like there might, there might be a need for a harpist at a baby shower, perhaps at an anniversary party, but we were trying to figure out a way to head that off to continue to have a warm lead or a string of warm lead clients come towards her. And the way that we did that was through a, a referral strategy. So they were able to choose previous clients, say a, what a previous wedding client then referred one of her bridesmaids to also have Seika be at a uh, harp playing at her wedding. They could choose either a percentage off a subsequent booking for each referral booked. So if they did end up having a baby and a baby shower, if they wanted Seika there, they could have a percentage off their package price or their services there, or they could receive a complimentary keepsake recording of the client's choice for each referral booked if they haven't already purchased that in the upsell process. All right, let's transition into some social media strategy. Social media strategy varies so much based on the type of client that you're working with because it's a different industry. There's different ideal clients. There's different places to access those ideal clients. So whenever I look at a social media presence for any client, I make sure that I have the their ideal client in mind while I'm doing that. So first, let's go over where Seika Harp is currently and then where they would like to increase or improve their presence. So right now, Seika Harp is on Instagram and TikTok, but they want to increase and improve their presence on both. And in order to execute that strategy, we were going to plan to email photographers that she's worked with on previous weddings so that she can gather real wedding content and images. Of course, I encouraged her to 
give them appropriate credit whenever using their images, but that was our first tangible step in order to have more consistent content on her socials. The next thing that I encouraged her to do was as she was going through all of those galleries, have the words ethereal and luxurious in front of her so that she could pick out all of the images that gave off that vibe. In the wedding world, there are these things called styled shoots. And essentially what a styled shoot is, it's like a mock wedding so that the wedding vendors can do a multitude of things. But I would say the top two is one, express their creativity in a way that might not be able to be accommodated on a real wedding day. And two is to build their portfolio. So as I was looking over Seika's website, I saw that there was this one, it, I mean, I'll say one wedding, but I could, because I'm in the ind- wedding industry, could pick out that it was a styled shoot that she used over and over and over again on multiple of her pages. And there's nothing wrong with that when you're starting out. However, when you begin to start to accrue real weddings, I do think it's important as a wedding vendor to include those real weddings on your website so that people know that you have real wedding day experience and to be a little bit more authentic because like I said, in a styled shoot, a lot of times vendors want to flex their creativity that they don't otherwise get to do. And so it's more of like an outlandish type of wedding where you might have this really elaborate floral installation or out of this world invite invitation suite, whatever, right? So like we want to be as authentic as possible whenever we are displaying our services online. That's why I encouraged Seika to get in touch with those photographers that she's worked with in the past so that she could use those wedding real wedding images. I mentioned that Seika wanted to increase and improve her presence on Instagram and TikTok. One of those ways that I wanted to increase or rather improve her Instagram presence was to update her Instagram highlights. So I'm I'm probably over explaining all of this, but on your Instagram, there's of course like your name and your profile fi- picture, then your bio and below you can update highlights and those highlights are essentially story posts, but story posts expire in 24 hours. Highlights is a way that you can kind of circumvent all of your hard work being expired in 24 hours because you can give them a permanent place on your profile. So I encouraged her to update her Instagram highlights with a few different sections. The first section being real weddings that she actually uh, was a harpist at. Second was styled shoots so that you could still put that creativity on spotlight, but have it have its own place. Any type of behind the scenes of her loading her harp in and out of a venue, her practicing, her choosing selkie gowns, anything that is you know, tied specifically to her brand that happens behind the scenes that a client wouldn't normally see. Next, one of the things that she specifically does on her Instagram that I had already seen was covers of popular songs. And usually those songs were like, you know, top 40 songs. So that's a really interesting way that like kind of differentiates her brand from like when I think of harp, I think of older, more classical music, but she's bringing it and making it modern. That's another twist that she can use as a UVP as she markets her services. I wanted that to be an Instagram highlight so that she could showcase that, that differentiation. And then I also love that she (laughs) 
she has some things about her personal life that are very unique. And one of those is that her cat has its own Instagram. She, her cat has like 525,000 followers. It's crazy. But because that is such a large, the cat is such a large part of her brand. I wanted Maple Cat to have his own highlight so that people could start to relate to him as well. One of the main things that I hear from some of my clients is like, I open up Instagram and I get sucked into like a scrolling habit because I don't know exactly what to post. Like I open up to post and then I never do because I get sidetracked because I don't know what to say. One of the strategies that I encourage for people that are feeling a little bit stuck, and this is one that I also encouraged for Seika, is to determine a series that you can use for Instagram and or TikTok. Specifically for Instagram, you're able to put those question boxes on your stories. And one thing that I thought would be cool that helps her differentiate herself even further is taking on like a song request Saturday. So on Saturday, she can put out a question box that says, what covers do you want to hear me play this week? Then she collects those responses, learns one or two of those songs or site reads them, whichever she so pleases, and then adds them to her stories. She's interacting with her audience, keeping herself top of mind for people, and then also adding those to her highlights section so that people can refer back to those and see that differentiation in real life. As you're sitting down and planning that, once you have your series planned out, you can do, you know, a theme for per day of week, whichever you prefer, but also sprinkle in some personal content. So I wanted to see some Maple Cat sprinkled into uh, some of her Seika Harp content, although Maple Cat does have his own <laughs> his own Instagram page. She can also bring Maple Cat over onto Seika Harp as well. Next, I told her to do some hashtag keyword research. So on Instagram specifically, if you search wedding harp or wedding harpist, then I wanted her name to come up. So I wanted her to do some hashtag research to see which hashtags had specific amounts of posts. And I wanted her to do her best to get on the explore page for those specific keywords. My next Instagram tip or strategy was to use the pinned content capability. So I mentioned already you have your name, your profile picture, your bio, your highlights, and then on your grid, you have the ability to pin up to three posts at the top of your grid. So that feed stays there forever until you change it. What I encourage service providers especially to do with those top three pinned posts is to outline your services. So how can I work with you? For Seika specifically, I wanted her to outline the client experience because remember, we're talking to luxury clients that want to know what they're getting themselves into. And then finally, I wanted an introduction to Seika. She says she has a personal brand. I want to see it come to life because I want to see her face as soon as I encounter her profile. So use that pin content so that you can kind of introduce potential clients to your business and your brand from the very start. And then finally, one social media strategy that's not actually execution, but the planning of your content is to batch create content so that you can accommodate your life outside of business. No one's got time to sit down and look at their phone every single day and try to come up with an idea, a photo, and a caption every single day. Instead, batch create that content and save yourself a lot of daily headaches. Honestly, the sweet spot as to how often you batch content is really dependent on your life. I've tried everything from one week to one month, and I found that my sweet spot is planning about two weeks out. Not only does my life change quite a bit on the day-to-day, but that also allows me 
to sit down and be able to have the attention span to execute two weeks worth of content at that one time. And it depends on what type of content you're trying to produce. If you're, you know, producing like a static photo with a caption, that's far quicker than doing three reels every day. Um, so what that looks like for you, you'll have to determine that, but I do really, really, really encourage batch creating content. Now, when you're sitting down to plan that content, remember that ad I just read about brand consistency and all that, then told you about a DIY course you could purchase to create that consistency. Great. Well, in case DIY isn't your vibe, I have something else for you. The brand analysis service is offered by yours truly and is the execution of a comprehensive brand audit that results in a polished marketing plan that will result in a consistent brand across all client touch points, both online and in person. This audit covers all your social media, your website, your email marketing funnels, your in-person experience if you have one. Anywhere your client will encounter your brand, I will discover it and I will give you the tools to make it consistent. Oftentimes, as new business owners, our to-do lists are overwhelming, and we go for the easiest and quickest ways to get tasks completed, which results in a disjointed brand that sends confusing messaging. If you're ready for a clear and consistent brand that permeates through every other facet of your business, the brand analysis service is perfect for you. To chat more about working together, visit www.allyrayhaney.com contact to schedule your consult call today. All right, now back to the episode. Some people might say this is an outdated practice, but it really, really helps me is defining content buckets. And essentially I use those content buckets to draw from, to curate curate and create social media content. So think of it as one of those mind maps that you used to use in elementary school where you have five different topics. Okay, for Seika, I had her five different topics as, and this is what I created for her, behind the scenes, real weddings, event tips, music, and personal. Those were her five general content buckets. And then within each one of those buckets, I broke it down into three or four subtopics. So let's go in order for behind the scenes. I wanted some behind the scenes of actual real wedding days. Remember I mentioned like her actually unloading and loading her harp, setting it up on a real wedding day. I wanted to see some behind the scenes of styled shoots, some behind the scenes of what it looks like of her just practicing music, which could be when she performs those covers. And then behind the scenes of business or admin days. Then for her real weddings bucket, I wanted to see pictures of her with the couple, some of her while she was playing at the actual wedding, if that was possible. And then of like decor, I want to see how she matched the decor with her dress to paint that picture and that experience for potential clients. For her event tips, I wanted to her, for her to break it down into the audience that she was speaking to at the time so she could do event tips for brides event tips for planners that were helping accommodate her as a vendor and event tips for either corporate events or other smaller events like those bridal showers, baby showers that I was speaking about earlier. For her music content bucket, we have the covers like Song Request Saturday. We have top ceremony songs, top cocktail hour songs, and any other requests that she might receive. 
So what that actually looks like in execution could be a reel of her doing one of those song requests, Saturday song requests. That could be practicing canon in D, giving brides ideas for different options for their processional, recessional, all of those things. Then finally, her personal content bucket was Maple Cat and her other cats, but Maple Cat is the most famous, <laughs> um, as well as her hobby of powerlifting, which she had mentioned to me in our call as well. So we're closing the chapter on social media and opening up an email marketing strategy chapter. I noticed that she didn't really have any email marketing strategy in place, at least on her website, which would be the most, I guess, obvious place to put it. So I created an email marketing strategy from scratch for her. But what I have found with most people that are looking to start email marketing within their business, it's easier to start off slow and not overwhelm yourself. You don't have to come out swinging from the gate in order to be successful. Grow slow and nurture that list and then go from there. So what I suggested that she did was a monthly or quarterly newsletter, just making the audience aware of any business updates, like have a client spotlight, say whether you're traveling for business this month, those types of things. Then if you wanted to grow from there, you could create an email welcome sequence with the lead magnet. So you would, of course, deliver that lead magnet, whatever that lead magnet might be, my suggestion for her was a wedding music checklist so she could go through and say you need this amount of songs for before the processional you need this amount of songs for the for the processional itself recessional between ceremony and cocktail hour this amount of songs for cocktail hour right it's a a planning resource for people that are planning their weddings and then the second email could be an introduction to seika right? To really bring that personal brand to life. And then the third email after you deliver that lead magnet and introduce Seika could be links to helpful resources that Seika Harp has created, like links to blog posts about wedding planning, about how to make sure you pick a good venue if you want a harp player at your ceremony, stuff like that. And then finally, I wanted to incorporate follow-up emails to previous clients on their anniversaries, like we've already spoken about before, with musical compositions and ways to celebrate with her music being top of mind. So that's not a super complicated email marketing strategy, but it starts the ball rolling so that if you want to grow it into something bigger later, you have the foundation to do so. After I go through those general marketing strategies, like social media, website, email marketing, then I try to dive into industry-specific marketing tactics for that business owner. Of course, like I already mentioned many times, Seika is in the wedding industry. So I have a very good understanding of the wedding industry and the marketing tactics that are normal, I guess, for that industry. So here are a couple that I encouraged her to do. First was going to a bridal expo. I love bridal expos. Um, they can be at like larger, larger convention centers, or they could be more intimate shows that are like at a local venue. I would just encourage her to determine whether or not she would find her ideal client at this type of event prior to committing to it. I would say for sake of heart, because she's targeting more luxury clients, that she's going to be more successful at smaller bridal shows at boutique venues 
because that's the type of bride that's going to go to that one versus a bigger show at a convention where there's not as much individualized or personalized attention to each individual attendee. So the second marketing tactic that I encouraged Seika to do was to try and get on preferred vendor lists at venues. I told her to get in the side the head of her ideal client and figure out which venues that her ideal client would book. And perhaps you could offer discounted services for an event that that venue is hosting in return for a spot on that preferred vendors list. But I just encourage her to remember that like this is a long game. Don't just ask to be on a preferred vendors list immediately. However, if you if slash when you get on a preferred vendors list at a venue, venue and planner are the very first two vendors that are typically booked. So you're having the venue do all of the marketing to to grab the client. And once the client's booked that venue, then that venue hands over your name on a short list of preferred vendors that they know and trust and that have been vetted. So that builds in an extra layer of credibility. And that's super beneficial when you're working with the luxury clients. Next, I encourage her to to participate in some style shoots. And that piece of it, now that you are on venue preferred vendors list, style shoots are really good at helping you create connections with local planners so that you can network with those planners and then show off your skills. Like I said, the first two vendors that are booked are usually venue and planner. You already have venue checked because you've bartered services with them. And now you're creating relationships with planners so that when the planner books the client, they hand over that list. That's short, a short list of vendors that's already vetted and knows that they are reputable. So the other good thing about style shoots is that it delivers content that could be ethereal. Remember, you get to kind of express your creative side of things that brings your brand really to life, but they also promote that networking piece. I always round out my marketing plans with a couple of additional resources that could help them with any inconsistencies that they might have. So for example, with Seika, she said that she wasn't super good with systems on the back end of her business. So I connected her with a systems expert. That's not something that I do, but I do know someone that does that. So I passed that contact information along. I had some resources about planning for a bridal expo or planning a styled shoot. I passed both of those resources along as well. And then anytime I know of extra contacts within a specific industry, for example, I I am on an email list for a salesman in the luxury wedding space. I forwarded that information along to her as well so she could sign up for those free marketing emails um, from that expert, and that would help her as she continues to grow her business. So anytime I have extra resources, I always am sure to pass those along to my clients in the marketing plan portion of the brand development program. Whew, that was a lot. So let's recap really quickly. The brand development program starts with a questionnaire. And from that questionnaire, I deep dive into my research process, which throughout that process, I analyze a brand and essentially audit it to find any inconsistencies or weaknesses within that brand as if I were a potential client or customer. After that, I present all of those findings to the business owner. And then from there, I create a marketing plan to execute and strategize in order to target their ideal client in their brand and business moving forward. This has been an incredibly... (laughs) 
rewarding process. And I love working with small business owners that are looking to grow and establish their brand as a trusted brand. So anytime you might need any help with brand development, I'm your girl. Until next time, keep dreaming, keep creating, and remember, your brand is your story. Let's tell it together. As my son would say, did it. You just completed another episode of the Allie Ray Haney Show. If you found this helpful, please rate, review, and subscribe to help others find this show and so you never miss an episode. Take a look at the show notes for all the resources mentioned in today's episode. Let's continue the conversation over in my private Facebook group, The Allie Ray Haney Show Insiders. See you next Wednesday. And as always, I'm here cheering you on as you build your dream brand and business.
Testing, testing. Can you hear me now?